Since he saved, I'm gonna, cut, I'm gonna cut off one of my part of my literature. He already covered it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Always we celebrate the fast and the feast of Our Lady, the Ever Virgin, the Pure, the Panagia, or Full of Glory, the Holy Theotokos Saint Mary. And it is always public celebration. We all celebrate that and we love it. Why? Because St. Mary or the Holy Theotokos have, has a special spot in our hearts, like the deep down a corner of our hearts of love. And our relationship of St. Mary is tied to the incarnation or the coming of our beloved God and Savior Jesus Christ to our life. As Athanasius said, the Word himself became man or joined us. As we hear in the Bible of Book of John, the Word became flesh. I would love tonight to talk to you about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ is and why I'm talking about it tonight. In order to speak spiritually or meditate in our life, it should be related to God's expectation of us. What is God's expectation of us? It's to be in union with Christ or to be in communion with Christ. What's the meaning of that? I'm gonna read part of Book of John. Book of John chapter 17, verse 22, 23. I do not pray for this alone. Christ talking to God the Father, pointing at the disciples surrounding him. But also for those who all will, will believe in me through their word, and the people who are gonna believe in me through their teaching, who they are, us. So now he's praying for the disciples and praying for all the people who believed in Christ through the work of the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven through the apostles and the disciples. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. God's expectation as fervent desire and eagerness of toward the humanity to be one in him, to be partaken of him, to be in union on him. And he continued and said, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as you, as we are one. I in them, and in you, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. The same likeness of my unity and being in you I want them to join us, to be part of us. Saint Irenaeus, one of the great fathers of the early church fathers, he said a beautiful explanation, what is the meaning of union with God, in order to give us introduction on talking about the mind of Christ. Saint Irenaeus, in his uh, beautiful sir, uh, letters, which called adverses her heresies, or the anti-heretics, he said, therefore, as I have already said, he, referring to Christ, he caused man to cleave to and to become one with God. He affirming the idea. God wants to be one in him. And unless man had been joined to God, he could never have become a partaker of incorruptibility. If we are not one in God, we're going to lose the attributes or the privilege of incorruptibility. What's the meaning of incorruptibility? Incorruptibility is the opposite of corrupt corruption. What is corruption is? Corruption is pertained to outside to the flesh and inside to the inward life. So if we are not one in God, we are not able to be everlasting 
on the level of the flesh, I will not be even everlasting on the level of the inner man or the soul and the spirit. We will perish or we will be corrupted and left behind on earth waiting for an eternal life which is not in God but in, in be destroyed or perished. And he continued and said, for it was incumbent, incumbent means uh, responsibility imposed on the mediator between God and man by his relationship to both, to bring both to friendship and concord and present man to God while he revealed God to man. The responsibility was by whom, on whom our Lord Jesus Christ, he came and he made the divinity of God or the nature of God in its holiness, righteousness, eternity, and everything to be in concord with us, in harmony with our nature. He wants to lift up us to the heaven. I want you to pay attention to that. If we not understand the core of our Christianity and believe that we are destined and we are uh, created to be partakers of God, we are losing a lot. We're going to be always question our being. We're going to be always question who we are and what God's expectation of us. That's why I'm going to talk to you at one step of how to develop, the, how to be partaker of God and how to be in communion of God. St. Paul covered the idea of the mind of Christ. And he said, till we all come to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to measure of the stature of the fullness of God. And in Corinthians 1, 2, 16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So St. Paul here affirming that we have the mind of Christ. What is the meaning of the mind of Christ? In order to be one in Christ, we have to be practice the unity in two levels. The first level is the unity of the mind, and the second level is the level of actions and life events of Christ. I'm going to cover tonight also the first part with a way of a little bit more simple and with analogy. It is the mind of Christ. I'm going to give you three pictures or three icons to think of. And through these three icons or pictures, we're going to think how to own and how to maintain the, the mind of God. The first image is, imagine now you see Christ bowing down and washing the feet of the disciples. And I'm going to call this icon the icon of humility. So the first aspect of the mind of Christ, in order to be like him or to be partaker of him or to be homogeneous with him, to, be, to develop humility. What kind of humility or what level of humility Christ practiced and set himself as a model for us to follow him and to be like him? The model of humility appeared in Philippians 2, 5, 9, and please stay with me with this. Let this mind be in you, which was, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So he was not a man claimed to be God, but he is God and put himself down to be man, but made himself of no reputation, no glory. No praise, no admiration of him because of his incarnation. Taking the form of bond servant, 
bond servant. What's the meaning of bond servant? I'm going to tell you later. And the coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. The humility that Christ wants us to practice is to, to go down from up to the lowest level up to earth. Who is the bond servant? What is the job of the bond servant back then? It's not like a maiden or someone to serve at houses like in, in our current life. No. A bond servant is someone has no rights in the family, on the, in the household, but has much of duties to be done just upon to call him or to request him. So if you have a bond servant at house and the master came in at any time, in the morning, at noon, in the evening, at midnight, he has to leave everything and come to serve the master. He wants food, he comes to prepare food. Even he is taking his own food, he has to take the bite out of his mouth and he stand up and go to serve the master. This is the life of a bond servant. A bond servant has no time to sleep or rest. His time is contingent too when his master is not in need of him. What kind of life is this? This is what Christ adopted when he came and became man. To the point that he took off his cloak in the Last Supper and he bowed down and he girded himself exactly like in the form of bond servant and washed the feet of the disciples. In order to sanctify them and to prepare them to discipleship and to proclaim the word of God all over the world, he touched his, their feet with his own hand, sanctified it, and tell them this is a work of repentance that you continue to live and to preach to the whole world. The humility of God was incredible to the point God, that the, the cornerstone, the cornerstone or the stumbling stone to believe in Christianity that we cannot logically believe that God became man. Why? Because the humanity was incredible. The humanity of Christ was very important and essential for his coming as a messenger of our salvation. Why? Humanity guarded the, his entire life and his course of path of love to humanity, to humanity. What's the meaning of that? Imagine the day he was conceived and he was like a baby in the womb of St. Mary, he was not accepted. And by whom? By St. Joseph himself. He did not accept the idea that his betrothed is pregnant without actual marriage. But out of his righteousness, what he did? He said, let me walk her away secretly, not to ruin her reputation among the society, but in his heart, he did not accept the idea. So the first moment God willed to be man and share our lives, he was not accepted. Would you think if you are in his place, would not you change your mind and you cancel the whole plan of salvation? <laughs> Come on. The first moment people are not welcome me, let me go back. Cancel it. They are not worthy. But when he was born, he born to a poor family to share our difficulties of life. So when he was born as a boy, as in a poor family, did not find a shelter or a place to be born in, and then his mind of humility guarded and accepted the point to be as a homeless. The king of the heaven and earth, the creator. 
the one who is beyond and above our understanding, and he's reigning forever and forever. The heavenly multitude of the angels and millions of, of angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, cannot even stare at him or gaze his glory. He is now born in a manger. Humility. When Herod, the king, was uh, furious about his presence as a competitor king and he was chased him and put his life at risk, what did he do? He fled away. How he guarded his love and guarded his uh, determination to be a savior and continue his path, his humanity. Otherwise, he would cancel everything and continue the whole story of salvation. At any time, Christ faced any difficulty or rejection from people, the only thing guarded his path of love is humility. How to apply that in our lives? In order to continue our journey of love, within the family, within friends, within like with co-servants or any setting of life, the only thing that can keep our life, our love to continue and to be ignited is humility. The only way to, to uh, reconcile and to forgive and to accept is humility. Imagine Christ, he accepted anyone and everyone in every categories of the society. He accepts everyone, the sinners, the strangers, the Gentiles, the evildoers, the hypocrites, and everyone. What are we going to do? In order to liken our mind to the mind of Christ in the same of humility, I'm going to give you a practice. Try to see the beauty of everyone you are dealing with. Find something good in the person. Find something is great in the person. But you will tell me, oh, he's evil. She's bad. She is short-tempered. He is always angry. She doesn't help. Okay. But I try to find to her something good. Okay. She is, she is jealous of me. But I cannot forget that one day he helped me. I see the beauty in her. He's a little bit now short-tempered and yells at me. But I cannot forget he is a loving man. And he was patient with me one day. So look at the others in a way to look into the beauty of every person. But what happens if I don't see anything great? You're going to tell me, Abuna, she is evil. <laughs> he is evil. I, can't, I cannot see anything great. What am I going to do? What kind of beauty I have to search to see inside this person? I'm going to tell you now. In order to see the beauty of the person, that he is completely evil, remember that someone came and died and shed his blood for the sake of this evil person. So the one you think now is not acceptable or intolerable, he is precious and she is precious because of the blood of, of Christ. Humility is to put yourself under the feet of the others. I love Bishop Thomas' analogy when he said, in one of his talks, he said, in order to lift up the others, you have to, they have to kneel down you get down on your, knee, on your knees in order to lift up the others. Humanity is not to think much of yourself in the eyes of the others. Sometimes we fall in this trap. So I come to church just to show myself as a good person. I pray morning and evening just to tell my father of conviction, I am good, I am fine. I come to service that I put a name tag on me that I am a servant in order to have a better chances of relationship, right? This is all false humanity. 
Humanity is not to focus much on how people sees me, see me and how God only see me. Humanity is to not to think much of myself and all my capacities and all my strength, but think of God who is the one to manage my life. The biggest challenge in life right now is people do not need God. Why? Because we trust ourselves very much. We have good, good opportunities of life, we have good connections, we have good resources, and we have many talents. We're fine. Come to church. So we're going to ask why? What is the reason? They, the diagnosis of that is a pride. That the person does not think that he in need of Christ because he thinks or she thinks that she can run her entire life through her own capacity. The mind of Christ is to be humbled, to be like him. He emptied himself from his glory. And that's why that Abu Mark just said now, he, he planned to be transfigured on the mountain, not to be stumbled in him. Because since the beginning of his service, until climbing up the mountain of his inner circle, Peter, John, and James, there is nothing great about him other than love and sacrificial love. How can he prove his divinity? He showed them the glimpse of his glory, a glimpse of what he gave up for us out of humility in order to show us what is exactly is the mind of Christ. So the first portrait or the first the first icon to put in your, in, your, in your mind, to have the mind of Christ is the icon of humility. Second one, again, I'll give you only three icons to think of tonight. The second icon or image, imagine as a meditation. You are climbing up to the heaven and going up toward the heaven until you meet Christ and you see him in his glory, and you see him with his beautiful eyes looking upon us, and go inside him and look down from the heaven through the eyes of Christ or through the lens of Christ. Are you with me so far? We are not here now in 433 uh, River Avenue. We are climbing up, going up to the heaven we are looking from up there, from the position of God, through his eyes, and look down to the whole globe. What you will see from there? I'm going to give you something to think of what is the mind of Christ function to help us to be in the same page. Christ is there. We will see everything on this universe is petty. We might be amazed by the galaxies, by the planets, and how this huge cosmos is running. But for him, everything is petty and has an end, by the way. What is left if you see from up there? You're gonna find yourself, and every one of us might be like small dots or small stars, but these dots is luminous, shiny, and bright. You know why? Because we are a reflection of him. Because we hold his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit rests on us. So imagine you are looking from there with him to everyone on earth. You will find everyone to look 
in everyone like something luminous, something bright. How will you see yourself and the others? You will see everyone with compassion and love. In what, as, in what aspect? That you want everyone living on this earth to come to the heaven. So when you want everyone to be in the heaven, your mindset and the way you see life is, will be quite different. You're going to turn over whatever you think. So your wife, you're going to use your dream toward your wife not to lose her, to have her with you in the kingdom of heaven. The way you look to your husband, that you cannot imagine be a minute in the kingdom of heaven without him. Apply it unto your siblings, your daughters, your sons. You will look at every one of them with only hope that to have them with you in the kingdom of heaven, not to lose anyone. So your eyes is going to be full of compassion and love. Let me ask you, can you imagine your life with the one who, the one who beloved? You are there making there to this beautiful place the pure place of the angels without your partner or your beloved one or your friend and they suffer in the eternal fire? What kind of joy you will practice in the heaven while they are away from you? Now, get down to earth and imagine you deal with everyone with compassion and love. Don't lose anyone or anyone you love or even you don't love. The story of Lazarus and the rich man, when the rich man was harsh on him, and, and the Lazarus find no comfort on earth. Lazarus went to the heaven, in the place of glory, in the heaven was God, and he enjoyed God's, God's presence. But the, the rich man was thrown into the fire and torture. The, the, the rich man inside the fire, his, his heart was moved and groaning for his family. He doesn't want them to suffer. He told them, give them a chance. Send Lazarus to give them like a sip of water to, to relieve, relieve my, 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 uh, my, my, my bitterness and, and the fire on me and even send him to my family to warn them. I said, no, they are done. Mind of Christ. To change the way we see the others. As I said, to see everyone through the eyes of Christ, through love and through compassion. We cannot imagine anyone without you in the kingdom of heaven or without him or her in the kingdom of heaven. But what happens if the things are getting bad and worse? We have no enemies. Two things I need to keep in your mind, to comfort your mind. We have no enemies in this life other than Satan. There is no evil on earth other than sin. So if you deal with someone and you can't get along with the person, think of these two things. Why we cannot get along? Because there is someone trying to, work, try to uh, make the communication worse or, 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 or does, does not allow us to reconcile. Who is the one who has been from that Satan? What is the reason I cannot love? It is sin and evil. So there is no evil on earth other than sin. There is no enemy on this earth other than Satan. What about the old people? They are beloved. And we cannot see any one of them away from compassion and love.
The first image or the icon, the icon of humility and Christ washing the feet. The second icon, it is the icon we are in the heaven and through and see everything through the lens of Christ or the eyes of Christ. The third one is the enlightened mind or the clarity in the mind, which I would love to tie it with tonight reading about the transfiguration. What happened on the transfiguration tonight that St. Peter, St. John, and James went up to the mountain with Christ and they saw him in a so beautiful and bright way. And Peter, out of fearness and, and fear and confusion, he couldn't say anything other than, Lord, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. After years of service and proclamation of the Lord of God, the same person, St. Peter, let us hear what he said in 1 Peter 2.19. 2 Peter 1.16.18 For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We know him very well. Our mind is open to him. We are enlightened of his, of his appearance. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And after that, St. Peter telling us and telling his disciples in his first uh, Catholic epistle, chapter 2, 19, he's telling maybe before I did not get to know what is the meaning of glory of God outwardly. But now I can comprehend him. And I would say, I am completely enlightened from my mind. I have clarity. And I would say to you, but you are chosen generation. You are chosen to the kingdom of heaven. A royal priesthood. You are here doing praises and sacrifices daily on the altar because you belong, you belong to the king through the priests and the clergy and yourself. A holy nation. We cannot live anymore a life away from holiness. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not people, but, we, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The mindset of this transfiguration, I was in darkness. I was lost, I don't see my way. But my life in Christ, my mind of Christ, which is enlightened through life of prayer, repentance, and the word of God, I can see everything. I will not stumble in my choices. I wouldn't stumble in my decisions because I see everything in its clarity. Imagine Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was proud of himself, determined about his life, what turned him into a persecutor, a harsh person, a bloody man, even who agreed on the death of the righteous St. Stephen, and he saw him stoned harshly. And the Bible said he was, he agreed and approved on, on the death of St. Stephen. But in the way of Damascus, the Lord called him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, you are living in darkness. Your mind is totally darkened. You don't see anything. And for the first time, Saul, he asked him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Go to the city of Damascus, and there I will tell you what to do. 
Did he give him a plan? No. Did he give him a timeline? No. Did he give him a clear advice? No. But he obeyed. And, when, and God wanted to let him, to let him know that you are blinded. He left him blinded externally. And he had a couple days, like three days, until he met Ananias. And he left, he left him in his darkness, in his blindness, to let him think twice about himself that he is not, he, he cannot see. He is truly blinded. And since then, Saul of Tarsus turned into an amazing person in Christ. He saw everything. He suffered, but he got the new Christ. He saw the whole world against him, but internally, he's enlightened, and he can see Christ clearly. In order to be in communion with God, we have to own and to maintain the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is to be in the likeness of his humility and to humble ourselves and to kill the pride in us. Number two, to see the whole world and the people around, around us with compassion and love. To reconcile it with everyone and to love everyone and to forgive everyone. We cannot imagine the life in the heaven without the others. Number three, in order to be in the mind of Christ, we have to be enlightened through in the mind, to see everything in its reality through the word of God, which is the light of our lives, through the prayers, which takes us, takes us up, as Abuna Mark said, and up there we can see Christ clearly without a foggy mind, foggy mind. Through the enlightened mind and the clarity and through clear repentance, we remove the burden of sins, the burdens of life experience, the burden of temptation of lives, until we have this enlightened mind. We ask our Lord, the God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to keep our life in the likeness of his mind, to be like-minded, and to spread this like-minded understanding to everyone, and the glory be to God forever. Amen.